So far in this series on revival, I've preached on prayer. I've preached on the Word of God, two sermons on repentance, and last week I preached on obedience. All of these sermons deal with the subject of revival. If we really want to experience a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, we've got to follow through in what the Word of God says about these important spiritual matters. So today, I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, Making Godly Decisions. A few years ago, a researcher asked a group of American young people to take a piece of paper and to write down all the decisions they wanted to make for themselves. And then they were to take that same piece of paper, turn it over, and write down the decisions they wanted other people to make for them. Well, it, it seems that the, the decisions where they wanted people to make for them was almost blank except for one, the time to die. They, they wanted somebody else to make that decision. But they wanted to be in total control of their lives, who to marry, where to work, what career to, path to follow, where to live. They wanted to be in control of all that without any kind of input from anybody else or even God. David Brooks of the New York Times wrote this, I quote, Americans now have more choices over more things than any other culture in human history. We can choose between a broader array of foods, media sources, lifestyles, and identities. Brooks cautioned, it is becoming incredibly important to learn to decide well. It's been said by one researcher that we make approximately 70 decisions every day. 70 decisions per day, ranging from simple to complex. Now, during these decision-making times, you, you will need to, to decide how seriously you want your faith to impact those decisions. Will it impact your morals? Will it impact your marriage and your family, your money management, and even your career? Have you ever thought about what God wants from the rest of your life? Have you ever thought about that? So I want you to grab your Bible I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, and, and I want you to, to look. We're going to look today at verses 5 and 6, and i got a good friend of mine, Abel Overton, who's going to come and help me preach this sermon. Abel, come up here, buddy. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right. Let me get a microphone for you. So, Abel, I know that our, our children on Wednesday nights have been led in the interim time by Whitney and Al Baker, Whitney uh, McGill and Al Baker, and they've been memorizing scripture. And I found out this morning that Abel and the kids have memorized my text for today. So Abel is going to quote for you our text for today. All right? All right, Abel. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own, own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Hey, let's give Abel a big hand, amen? Hey, Abel, you may be a preacher someday, buddy. All right, man, thank you. Thank you, Robert. All right. I've got a, a truth I want you to lock in your heart. It, 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 it captures the essence of this entire two verses that Abel quoted so beautifully today. Here it is. You want to write it down or memorize it, okay? Decisions determine destiny. Decisions determine destiny. So I'm going to give you a simple yet profound three-step process to making godly decisions. Number one, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Now, making good godly decisions can become clouded by our own short-sighted understanding of the situation or by the advice of people who don't have a clue what the Bible says or what God expects out of your life. Impatience also can goad us into making a rash decision and, and finding out later on that it was a wrong decision. So what do we do? Well, Solomon taught his son an important lesson. You heard Abel, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So we got to trust the Lord with all of our heart. Now that word trust means to rely on. It means to depend on, to have confidence in. John Phillips in his commentary got to the heart of this word when he explained, and I quote, our God is utterly dependable. His character makes it impossible for him to lie. His wisdom is so great, he can never make a mistake. Our God can be trusted. He has high and holy purposes with no ulterior motives. His love is so limitless, he can never be unkind. Yet perfect love is balanced by absolute holiness. So the Bible says, trust in the Lord, now notice this, with all your heart. Now that's a picture of total commitment. Anything less than trusting the Lord with all your heart is an insult to him. It's an insult to the living God. He expects us to trust him completely during the good times of our lives. Now, hold on now. And even the bad times of our lives, when things are dark and it's difficult and it's hard, he expects us to trust him completely. Now, when that climactic moment comes, when what you want to do is at odds with what God wants you to do as evidenced by the word of God and the will of God, you face a nagging question. Can I really 
trust the Lord? Can you really trust the Lord when he instructs you to stay with your spouse when everything within you says leave? Can you really trust the Lord when he calls you to serve in a new role that you've never served in before? He may be calling some of you to be a pastor. He may be calling some of you to be a missionary, a church planter. If he called you to something that you've never done before, could you trust him? Or or can you really trust him when he confronts you about racial prejudice in your heart? Can you really trust him when he allows you to go through a great trial? Can you really trust him when he challenges you to tithe? to give 10% of your income to the kingdom? Can you really trust him when he expects you to forgive someone who hurt you deeply? Can you trust him? The Bible says you can. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the positive aspect of what it means to trust God. But there's also a negative aspect. Look at that next part of verse five. And lean not on your own understanding. Many people make crucial life decisions in areas such as marriage, finance, career, based on their own feelings and the prevailing wisdom of the world. No matter how smart we are, no matter what our IQ might be, we need to realize that human judgment is limited and oftentimes severely flawed. We can't see everything that God sees. We can't know everything that God knows. We need to trust him. We do not need to lean on our own understanding. A young man may feel that it's harmless to download pornography. A teenager may feel that it's perfectly okay to engage in premarital sex. A parent may feel that it's okay to give their teenager total social media freedom. A spouse may feel the the freedom to connect with an old flame on Facebook and a thousand other different things based upon our human wisdom, our human understanding. Proverbs tells us that our feelings and the wisdom of this world are totally unreliable. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is a way of death. You can't trust your feelings because your emotions, your feelings are are the most shallow part of your makeup, of your being. And you can't trust the advice of unspiritual people. You've got to connect with God. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26, the Bible says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. The question 
that looms big this morning is this. Are you willing to say no to your feelings and the prevailing wisdom of the culture and yes to the Word of God and the will of God? That's the big question before all of us this morning. I would remind you that if you and I are going to make godly decisions, we've got to trust the Lord. And you've got to remember this now because it's true. Decisions determine destiny. But there's a second step I want you to see right here, this simple little text. The second step is this, consider the Lord. Number two, consider the Lord. Trust the Lord, consider the Lord. Look at verse six. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Well, what does it mean to acknowledge him? It means to know God in a deep way and to be aware of him in all situations, all circumstances. Knowledge of God is so important. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So notice the fear of the Lord. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? It's a reverence for God. It's making sure that everything in your life, every decision that you have to make in a day, in a week, in a, in a month, in a year, every decision is filtered through the will of God, the word of God, and you do not exclude God when you make decisions. It's a reverence for God. In the present context, we're not talking about an intellectual awareness that God exists. You, you, you do realize that even demons believe that God exists. That's not what we're talking about. No, we're, we're talking about an acceptance of God's presence to guide and direct your life. The Hebrew word also means to ad advise. I'll tell you, the greatest advisor on the face of this planet for a born-again believer is the Lord our God. If you're going to have an advisor, make sure you've got God advising you. So it means to ask God for his advice. We are to acknowledge the Lordship of Christ over every area of our lives our religious life, our families, our careers, our finances, our education, even our friendships. Not, listen, nothing in your life is too small for our Lord's loving attention and sound and sage advice. Do you pray about upcoming decisions? Do, do you pray before you take another job, even though that other job pays more money? Do you pray about it? Or is your decision totally based upon the amount of money you make? Do you pray before you sell your house to buy another house? Do you pray about it? Do you pray before you buy a vehicle? Do you pray before you secure a loan? 
Do you pray before you choose a college, young people? Do you pray before you date someone? Do you pray about medical procedures? You you say, Pastor, is God really concerned about all this stuff? Absolutely. You are the apple of his eye because you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. He loves you. He wants the absolute best for you. Well, the Bible says he wants you to have an abundant life. And you can't have abundant life if you don't make good godly decisions and therefore, therefore, have a wonderful destiny with God. Don't forget, decisions determine destiny. So we've looked at two steps so far. Number one, trust the Lord. Number two, consider the Lord in every area of your life. And number three, follow the Lord. Follow the Lord. Look at the last part of verse six. And he will what? He will make your path straight. Boy, that's amazing, isn't it? To make straight means, in the Hebrew, it means to smooth out. Don't you need God to smooth out the path in front of you? I remember when Darlene and I were dating, I was going into my senior at Mississippi State. We were going to get married on August the 2nd. I was working for Hayes Construction Company in Tupelo, Mississippi. You know what my job was? They were building the Natchez trays. My job was to go out in front of the, the, the big machines that brought the dirt in for the roadbed and to pick out all the roots and to get the roots over the side and pile them up and burn them. I tell you what, I worked myself to death trying to get that woman a ring. I want you to know I made, I bought her a ring. But you know, listen, the reason they wanted me to get the roots out of the roadbed, because if you don't get the roots out of the roadbed, then eventually the, the road will cave in because the roots will rot. And so you gotta, you gotta get those things out of the roadbed. And what God wants to do in your life is he wants to get the roots that are going to be a problem later on in your life out of your life before they become a problem. Isn't that wonderful? In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, we we get a a picture of what this this, this term make straight really means. It says, a voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. In Psalm chapter 5, verse 8, O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight or smooth before me. The Lord wants to give us direction. He wants to guide us. He wants to, to point us into, into the places he wants us to be and, and to, to do the things he wants us to do and, and to be the person he call, he's called us to be. Psalm 23, verse 3, David said that as a good shepherd, he restores 
my soul. Listen, he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In Psalm 37, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. And then Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. So how does God direct us? How does he make sure to get all the, uh, the stuff out of our path that's going to be a problem later on? How does he make it smooth before us? How do we know? Well, there's three ways he does it. He directs us through his word. We read the Bible and we see clear direction from God in the Bible. And you know what he's doing? He's smoothing the way before us. And he directs us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, this is the way, walk in it. Or the Holy Spirit says, this is not the way, don't walk in this way. So the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, and listen, listen. Another way that God smooths our path before us is through the counsel of godly friends and family and leaders. Godly counsel. I'll tell you, I look back in my life and I've had a lot of godly counselors in my life. And some of them are in this room. I tell you, you cannot put a dollar figure on godly spirit-filled counselors who can speak into your life truth so that the way can be smooth before you and you can avoid some of the pitfalls of doing things or saying things that you shouldn't do or say. I tell you, you can count on God. You can count on God. You need to know that deep in your heart. About 200 years ago, there were two Scottish brothers named John and David Livingstone. John set his mind on making money, on becoming wealthy, and he did. He made money hand over fist and became very wealthy. But under his name, in the old Encyclopedia Britannica. Does anybody know what an encyclopedia is? I, I know the older folks do, but the younger folks are looking around and saying, what's an encyclopedia? But in the old Encyclopedia Britannica, John Livingstone's name is there, but you know what it says? Now, very rich, very wealthy. Here's what it says. The brother of David Livingstone, 1813 to 1873. That's all it says about him. While, listen, while John dedicated himself to making money and becoming filthy rich, his brother David was totally committed to the Lord Jesus, and he invested his life as a missionary to Africa. He made this core value, a cornerstone of his life. And Encyclopedia Britannica told a great story about all that David Livingstone had done in Africa. David Livingstone made this statement, I quote, 
He said, I will place no value on anything I have or possess unless it is in relationship to the kingdom of God. You see, David Livingstone understood that decisions determine destiny. He implemented the steps to making godly decision because he trusted the Lord. He considered the Lord and he followed the Lord. I want you this morning as we come to the final part of this sermon, I ask you to search your heart. Search your heart. Look for any thoughts or actions in your life that contradict the word of God or the will of God. What about your salvation? I'm sure that in a crowd this size, there's somebody in the room or somebody watching live stream, and you have your own ideas about salvation. You've bought into the culture and the wisdom of this world because you believe that everybody's going to heaven when they die. Or you believe that there are many ways to heaven. Or you believe that there's no such thing as heaven or no such thing as hell. Or you believe that there is no God, that there's no creator God. And you bought into the wisdom of the world. Have you ever thought that what you believe is wrong? It's wrong. You, You say, pastor, how can you be so bold How can you be so sure of yourself to say that what I believe is wrong and what you believe is right? Because what I believe comes right out of the Word of God. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. The sum of God's Word is truth, the Bible says. And I'm asking you to search your heart this morning and consider that the gospel is still true today. You say, what's the gospel, pastor? Here's the good news. Jesus loves you. And he died on the cross for your sin as God's son. He went to the cross of Calvary. And God the Father took all of your sin and placed it upon the broad shoulders of his son, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus shed his blood and offered his body as a sacrifice for your sin, the perfect sacrifice. And Jesus died. And three days later, he was raised from the dead. He's alive. He's a living Savior. And the Bible says there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven that's been given among God by which we must be saved. Listen, if what you believe contradicts God's word and God's will, it would behoove you to decide today, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust Jesus as my Savior and Lord because I want his destiny. I don't want the other destiny. Or or maybe God's speaking to you about a a thought or action that contradicts God's word and God's will as, as it relates to church membership. Maybe you're thinking today, well, 
Is it really important that I become a part of a local New Testament church? Is it really important that I come to church and I worship God? Is it really important that I become a part of a small group and, and, and learn to study the Word of God with other people and do life on life with other people? Absolutely. Absolutely. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because Jesus had 12 guys. And he loved those 12 guys. He poured his life into those 12 guys. And those 12 guys turned the world upside down. The Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the habit of some. But as the day draws near, we're to meet together to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to be here for one another, to stand shoulder to shoulder on the truth of God's word and God's gospel. Maybe God's calling you to become a member of Carville First Baptist Church. I would encourage you to come to one of our staff members. In fact, I'm going to ask our staff members to come now, our worship team to come now. And this is your opportunity here in just a moment. We're going to stand in worship, and you can come to a staff member. You can come to the altar. But listen, whatever God is showing you that contradicts his will or his word in your life, make sure that you chew, you decide today that I'm going to do exactly what God wants me to do. I'm going to decide to give my heart to Jesus today. I'm going to decide today that I'm going to become a part of Carville First Baptist Church. Or maybe he's speaking to you about some moral issue in your life. And there's a moral issue in your life that is totally contradictory to the Word of God and the will of God. Would you just come to this altar? Would you say, Lord, not my will be done, but yours be done. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll obey you. I'll love you. I'll serve you. I'll make sure that I do what you want me to do. Or maybe he's speaking to you about some purpose that he has for your life. Maybe he's calling you. Maybe he's calling a, a young person, a, a, a young family to, to, to become pastors or, or church planners or missionaries. Would you at least pray about it? Would you say, Lord, not my will be done, but yours be done. Jesus prayed that prayer. And I tell you, the destiny of the Lord Jesus is something that we sing about and pray about and preach about to this very day, 2,000 years later. I tell you, decisions determine destiny. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge you. And you promise that you'll make our path straight. Oh, God in heaven, have your way in our heart today. In Jesus' name.